This is the Property Solopreneur Podcast, and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. My guest today is a very good example of why you should not decide whether to go to a networking meeting just on who's speaking. Now, you may think, oh, I've heard all that before. I've seen them speak a dozen times. They can tell me nothing new. Or even, I'm just not interested in that subject. Never in a month of Sundays do I want to sit through that topic. Well, I saw Shaq present at a pin meeting. And to be quite honest, I thought, well, it's only half an hour. I can sit quite happily, not really listening. And then we'll get down to the really important property stuff. Well, how wrong was I? I was absolutely blown away. Modular building, not really on my horizon, but it is now. In fact, I even got one now. It may not be quite what you think it is. I have to say, I thought it was all huff houses and post-war prefabs. But seeing what can be done and is being done to produce properties that are fast and to a high standard, that was mind-blowing. Welcome, Shaq. Hi, guys. My name is Shaq Baker. That's, That's me. I tend to often be referred to as the airspace guy. Or the offsite construction guy. Yes, you are. And for most people who are listening in property, they're going to go, that's of no interest to me whatsoever because I, I, I'm a traditionalist. I thought that and I saw you talk at a pin and I was blown away. And that's why I had to have you on um, a part, an episode because this stuff is revolutionary, isn't it, that you do. But before we get into all of that, have you always been in property? No, I haven't. I literally started properly in property I, I took 2017 properly wow that's not that long ago yeah. and you've done an amazing no, amount since but, then but if i always wanted to get into property i just didn't, didn't oh. know how so i was always like at some point it was going to be like an exit strategy so whatever i was doing i mean i didn't know to what capacity i just always assumed that you know rich people got into property and that's how that wasn't you well I just, I wanted to, I would have loved if you yeah, wanted to transition be, yeah. like everybody else. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad years ago. And um, I also, I used to read the Sunday Times Rich List and I was saw that there was pr- property in there. And I thought, okay, well, there's, this is definitely something to do, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. I forget the, the Rich List is a wonderful yearly reason why you think, yeah, that's why I'm in property. And so 2017, you jumped straight in. Did you go and learn how to do it or did you just do with the, you know, the total courage of the ignorant get going? What did you do? So what I was doing prior to that is I was saving my money. I was from like maybe 2000 and maybe 2013. I was just, I was just stacking. I was stacking. Right. my only property plan was to buy my, my flat from the council. And did you do that? I did. Yes. Fantastics. But I didn't do it straight away because that was, I was at the point where I think 2016, I was like, right, I'm I'm good to go. I'm going to buy my flat. And I just so happened to meet a guy that had done, shout out to Tom. He, he'd done a Sam Zucci's mastermind and he was a full-time uh-huh. investor. 
And I looked at him and I thought, well, whatever you've done suits you very well, sir. So I'm going to, so he, he gave me, he gave me a copy of the book, the property magic book. And, um, from that, I just said, yeah, I'm going to, like, he was an example. He was like a, you know, a proof of concept. So, cause he did. Absolutely. He did that. Yeah. That, and that's yeah. important, isn't it? It's, yes. It's, it's very important. And, and I think the good thing is that is you can use that for anything that you would want, do yes. want to try. If you could find the next, you know, someone who's a proof of concept or a mentor or some sort, then you've kind of got the blueprint there for you, don't you? Yes. And, and that it's, it's about not having to reinvent the wheel, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and you've mentioned Simon Zucci and, and the PIN organization there. And that's one of the things that, I mean, that's how I found you. I was networking and I always believe that it's the networking that's really important. So I, for instance, when I'm booking a PIN, never bother to look to see who's uh -huh. speaking. Because to be quite blunt, if I'd looked at the pin meeting that night and I'd gone, oh, modular building, no, don't need to know about that, I would have missed so much. Yeah. And I think it's really important to go, if I've committed to going out and spending an evening at a networking, property networking group, I'm just going to give it, get everything that they're going to give yes. me because somewhere there will be a nugget. Yes. And this, this, I think you just blew us all away that night. You, you know, you had probably a room full of total skeptics <laughs> and you had us raving by the end, didn't you? So what, what is a modular building? So a modular building, the, the, I mean, a modular building is a type of development which is done offsite. And when we use the term offsite, what we are essentially saying is certain parts of the structure or components of a build, so certain parts of the structure of a building or components, or in certain senses with modular, most like physical sort of whole parts of it is done offsite, i.e. in some form of a factory or a logistics center. So, you know, a, the building is basically built somewhere else and it's brought onto site. So it was built off site and it's brought onto site. Now that sounds absolutely crazy until you, until you start to look around, yes. don't you? And you see, so Premier Inn's travel yeah, lodges yeah. are really good examples, aren't yes. they? So, so, so Premier Inn, travel lodge, a, a good friend of mine's he, named Adrian, he was an architect on one of the first travel lodges in the UK. And I think, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was in 1993. Gosh. So a long time. So, so I like to remind people, a lot of this stuff isn't new. It's just not common in the UK. So we've got all catching up to do, but no. we're, we're, you know, we're, we're savvy people and we're, you know, we're trying to bring things up to speed. Absolutely. And of course, the other problem we've got is that everyone goes modular building, prefab, that's post-war when we had to build a lot of buildings in a very short space of time. And it couldn't be further from the truth. These are luxury yes, buildings, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, these are not tin shacks. No. I guess the only thing with that is people only have one like one perspective of it because that's the only ones yeah. that they've seen. Where if you go to somewhere like Germany, we've got the Hof houses and Weber houses, they are purely luxury. So they don't do anything but luxury. You know, that's yes. an extreme, that's a high level, that's like top level. So... If yes. you've only seen a hoof house, then your preconception of offsite construction would be like, well, that's very luxury. Where a lot of people, they just think of post-war and they're like, nah, that's, they're, they're, just, they're just poor cabins, really. But, but a lot of those post-war buildings are still up. So that, yes, 
Yeah, there's a lot there's to a lot them, to isn't there? It says kind of speaks for itself. And I was absolutely amazed because, of course, I think this your um, the way you do property is is the yellow car syndrome. Do you know the yellow car syndrome? No. Well, you know, when it's it's, it's at, right. Once you know about it, you'll see it everywhere. We all know that the bulk of, of cars on the road are white, grey, and black. Very boring. Okay. And if you buy a yellow car because you think you'll always be able to spot it in the car yeah. park, you suddenly realise actually two thirds of the cars on the road, according to you, are now yellow. And it's just because you, yeah, you're starting to focus. And I thought, well, this is all very interesting. Shaq did blow me down. If the weekend after your talk, the Financial Times weekend section, you can't get more important yeah. than that, had a whole section called Can a Prefab Be Fabulous? Yeah. A double-page spread on the importance of modular buildings being built off-site, why it's going to revolutionise buildings and, and being able to help the housing crisis in this country. Well, I'm going to read that. I didn't, I didn't oh, it's that absolutely one. fabulous. Look it all up. It's all available online. And anyway, Financial Times yeah. weekend is just brilliant for, for property. But one of the things it did was it highlighted some buildings that most people probably have seen and don't realise are modular. One is, if anyone's ever watched... Scandi Noir, uh -huh. you know, those ethic, those very gritty sort of Danish and things. A lot of the buildings that have uh, the, on big estates, they're all modular. And in fact, they're quoted and shown in this article. And also, there's a tower block in Croydon, isn't so there? So that is now the, um, well, that's the largest modular building in the world. Yeah. And it's in, in Croydon. Croydon yeah. yeah. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. And what, you know, this, this is the thing. You also do this particularly for, what's it called? Air? Airspace. Airspace. Absolutely. Two words meaning the same thing. It's fantastic. Now, describe what that really means. Airspace is, because uh, a lot of the time people think of it literally, where airspace is literally just a space in the air, but, you know, without sound and sort of obvious, but typically airspace is just a space above maybe buildings. So if you're, if you were like um, using a crane, and your crane was going to go, he was oversailing, and you'd go into someone's yep. airspace. That normally, you have to pay a cost for that because that's someone's airspace. But essentially, when it comes to development, and we use the term airspace, what we're ultimately talking about is rooftop development. Oh, right. Yeah, so rooftop development is where we are buying pre-existing blocks, and we are then adding an additional story on top of a pre-existing block of flats or pre-existing you know, building. So that's, yeah. And of course, that has two really good things. One, it allows us to go upwards. Yep. So it's not taking up precious land. Uh -huh. But secondly, if presumably you have to sort of put these in by crane. So it stops everything having to go up through whatever it is you're building on top of. Exactly. So you're, you're not, you're not sort of traipsing. It's bad enough, you know, bringing a couch up a set of stairs if you know, if you live, you know, you know if you live in a block, you're, you know, you live in an apartment. So, this we're able to start from the top it's one of my favorite hashtags start at the top but yeah we we can literally use a crane and whether you're using the modular type with the volumetric modular where it's where it's sort of in containers that are already pre-built or you're using a different type of offsite construction maybe like a steel frame construction with sit panels or something we're able to kind of just crane it onto the top we start at the top and then we just you know we develop from there, so it, it means that we can ultimately build on top of a building without yep. interrupting any of the tenants. Which has to be a brilliant thing. And of course, it's much faster because 
one of those things that you you were showing us is the fact that you know they come almost ready to yeah, go, yeah, aren't they? Literally ready to go at speed. I think that the main things I like to get across with people is when it comes to offsite construction is you know we can build at a speed that is you know pretty much quite often half the time of traditional, sometimes even less than that. Half, yeah. gosh. And um, also the thermal performance. I think those are the two sort of key selling points. Thermally, it could be sort of thermally efficient to where we can build sort of airtight properties. And when you think of yep. that, that, that means, you know, instantly we're allowed to then control heating, control air supply. You can sort of stop air leakages. And ultimately that's going to sort of put more money in your pocket. Well, more money in the pocket of the, the users. You know, Absolutely. And it's, I mean, what sort of EPC rating do these come out at? Um, we have, so there's a, there's a, a standard called Passive House, standard, which right. is, which is, I think if you are going for a complete Passive House standard, you're looking at about an A plus EPC. Oh my yeah. word. <laughs> that is so different, isn't it? <laughs> Literally, an A plus. So, so when you when you when you look at it like that, you know, your A plus EPC means that we, you know, the house is completely airtight, very, very self-contained, uh, triple glazed windows, and there is basically no air leakages at all. We have a thing called a blower test where they literally, once the house is produced, they blow smog through the house to see where there's Bad. any leakages. So once your house is airtight, the next thing is really to 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 maintain Obviously, airflow and supply, we use mechanical heat ventilation systems. So you've got, and because you've got air circulating through your property, that can be also filtered. So it's cleaner air going for your, for your property. Which is marvellous in, in a city area, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. So, you know, we're, when we're talking about airspace, typically it's in areas that are more dense areas, maybe cities or towns where there's, you know, there's a, there's a more dense population. So ultimately, they're the ones that would need that more than others. Yeah. Fantastic. And so there's presumably because everything is built off site, you don't need as many workmen on site. And so therefore, may I, am I right in thinking the costs might actually be lower? When you compound it, yes, because you don't right. necessarily need to have as many skilled labour. It's the best way I, I try to describe it is I say to people, it's like you combine the automotive industry and the construction industry. But when you look at the automotive industry, if you're building a car, this is a factory built product. In a factory environment, you're not going to have, there's a lot less waste. Everything's cut to precision. Yep. So when you look at a, a factory built product and you turn, you think of now, this is a house. There's loads of things that are on site, but there's waste. There's, you know, there's time that takes to, to create things when you're on site. If things already pre-made, pre-assembled and, you know, pre-cut to size, then you're saving time. There's not the less thinking. Yep. There's less need for planning. So you, you save to, when you compound it, you don't need as much sort of skilled labor. You can basically do more for less. Absolutely. And the, uh, and this is possibly why it's going to be very good, I think, in, in the areas of social housing. I think you've had some great interest from, you know, um, housing associations what? and local councils yes. and things, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. It's, um, I think one of the things for me personally, when I first started looking into it, the first thing I thought, well, if I'm technically an employer, so if I'm a developer myself and I choose to utilize offsite construction and we don't necessarily have to have sort of super skilled labor, then I thought, well, I could kind of hire anybody I want within reason. 
So I could hire, like, I, I was always, because um, my background, I used to work in, a, I was a residential care worker like many moons ago. And I always liked to keep that in whatever I'm doing. So outreach work, mentor work. So for what I could essentially build a house and get like, you know, young adults at uh -huh. risk to come on site and learn, you know, and I thought, how yes. empowering would that be to get like people? So if I was building a, a project in the in area to get local people involved in it. Yes. Which is always fantastic to feed back into the, into the society. 100%. And it, and of course, if it's cheaper to build them, then it's going to be quicker to build social housing. There'll be more of it and it will start to help, you know, alleviate the problems we've got at the moment where social housing often falls off the list when people are building a couple of houses because they are too expensive to build sometimes. It, does, it doesn't always work. And, and, and that's, that's no. the hard part. You know, we're, we're, we're investors, we're developers. So our, our goal is to try to always drive things forward and create opportunities, but it has to make sense. Or it, or, or yes, work. that's it. The bottom line is really is important, important. Isn't and, it? and so but, but people don't always understand that. So for me, I tried to work things in a way where I can kind of tick as many boxes as possible. So it's like, well, I can make this stack. So it, so it, so it, it makes sense financially. Yeah. I can create a need. I can create, I can supply a need, but then I can also create opportunities for local people. And then when you compound that, if they then are involved in something that's innovative, something they can feel proud of, that can then give them the hunger to do more and create even more. So, yep. so I've tried to look at things from a very sort of an equals approach. And yes, yeah. well, that's that's very good. Now, of course, this all takes money. How do you fund a big project? I have, have you know, are you a crowd funder? Do you get private investment? How does it work? So I've. I've kind of used a bit of everything, to be fair. So when I first started, I used a lot of my own funds. Uh, that runs out very quickly. So then I start bringing it. <laughs> I remember one time, because it's the thing that, you know, you work really hard and, and on the outside, it seems like you're doing well. But I was, you know, I was, I was literally like bees on toast kind of person. Yep. And, I, and I remember saying to one of my mentors, I said, he said, ask things. I said, not very good. Now I'm so poor. And he said, well, you know, <laughs> He kind of laughed, which felt insensitive yes. about first. I was like, I'm, I'm pouring my heart out. Like, I'm really broke. And he said, chat, you, this is, you're a developer, mate. This is, you know, it's feast or famine. And so yeah. it was understanding that dynamic and saying, well, okay, well, maybe I didn't think of it like that. But I've obviously gone into a part of, uh, I've gone into an industry and, and a type of a developer where you literally, often you're all in. So I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, it's, it's quite unsustainable. So I've said to myself, I want to get to a point where I should basically be looking at investor finance, crowdfunding yep. and stuff like that. So that's sort of where I'm at now. It wasn't, um, it wasn't, I don't think I was comfortable with the idea at first. When I first got No one the, is. No you know, one the is. JTR, people will lend you money. I said, well, where I come from, I can barely get a tenner. So I don't think anyone's going to give me <laughs> well, 500 grand to go and do it. That, I, just, I don't see it. I don't buy it, guys. I'm very sorry. I don't, I don't trust the process. Uh, but now, of course, you can see that it it's, does work it, and it, everything. It, it, it's, it comes, it's a part of your, uh, you know, your re-education, unlearning and relearning getting a brain transplant and saying, all right, cool. This is, I guess, how I've always looked at it is I've taken something where the focus is actually providing value. So I've created an opportunity. Yes. Here's the value. Who wants to share the value of this proposition as opposed to give me money? I'm Shaq. You give me your money, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> 
absolutely. And that 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 is you know is something that people do get comfortable with. But it's also because you've got projects behind you yeah. now, so people know what it is that yeah. you've done. Can you talk us through one of the projects you've done? I think you've done something in Liverpool. Oh yeah. Uh... I've done quite a few in Liverpool. Um, oh, you like Liverpool? Oh, that'll be that'll gladden so many people's ears because there's a lot. Of, I doubt often my listeners love Liverpool. One of the things that I did when I started property was I'm I'm very much I'm through and throughout a London boy. I'm very ever rarely travelled out of London because I never I never kind of never say need, but I often people travel for different reasons. So you travel either to see family when you're young or to go to stuff, and I never really had family out of. London, I never, you know, I wasn't close to him. So I decided when I started, I thought London, I know very, very well. So I wanted to start branching up into other areas and, and become accustomed. And so I spent a lot of time in Birmingham, Manchester, yep. Liverpool. And um, I think Liverpool, I was fortunate. I, I had made friends or I'd, I'd had networks that had good people there. So when I went there, I was able to kind of see, uh, I think being from London, Wait, it was almost like a crystal ball when you go to other areas because I can foresee what's going to happen. What's I can see, abs- I know what yeah. regeneration looks like. I can't. So you're, you you keep going back to the future, basically. I literally stepped back to the future. I was Marty McFly. I went to Liverpool <laughs> and I was like, right, I've just come from the future, aka Yeah. And I know how regeneration works. I can see. Yep. I just understand it. Sometimes it's hard to explain, but I'd say to the guys that lived there, that dude, you need to buy all of these properties. And they was like, well, no, because, you know, last year or two years ago, they were, you know, may have been like 50 grand. Now they're 80. I don't want to buy that. But I'm saying to them, what you don't realize in another two years, it's going to be even more. You need to, you need yeah. to get in now. Get in now. Yeah. They said the best time to plot a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time yeah. is today. So I'd say to them, today, 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 just buy stuff if you can. Absolutely. If you can. So I think, yeah, I was fortunate in, in Liverpool. Um, so I did quite a few things. I've done um, sort of commercial projects, a couple of builds, quite a few uh, sort of refurbs, HMOs, those kinds of things. And, and you've got a, I think you've got a 40 bed either been underway or you've done. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's quite a big number. Yeah. With that one, it was, it was, uh, it was, um, it was interesting. So it was a former nightclub. Oh, heavens. Yeah. It was a nightclub. Yeah. And again, so for me, going to Liverpool, I just felt like, you know, you can, you got options that you wouldn't necessarily maybe have in London. I felt like it was ripe for regeneration. I think just more because I I'm not a very technical person at all. When all people right, say okay. technically, okay. when you just say, like, I've got friends who talk about, you know, walls to the millimeter and this and that. My brain doesn't work like that. I'm a creative, I'm a, I'm a visionary. So a big picture, absolutely. Big picture, yeah. So I'll look at something and be like, well, you could do that with that. It was a club and it was sitting there, it'd been, it'd been to, it wasn't doing anything. It was on the main road and uh, in, in town. And I thought, well, we, there's lots of things we could do with it, but there was a big open space on the first floor. And um, I basically called in an architect, good friend of mine's Grant Erskine. And I said to him, you know, what could I do with this? And I think that was in 2018, I believe, when I first started going into conversations with it. And anyway, long short, we got a uh, planning permission to turn it into, yeah, 40 bed essay, essentially. And that is so casually said. <laughs> yeah, nightclub to 40 bed essay. I mean, that's magical. But, but again, so, and, and this is the thing with property, it sounds magical. I'd like to give people the whole thing. It's, it, it has Absolutely. its challenges. It has its challenges. <laughs> 
I got to, well, I got yep. the planning and I was working on a few projects and that's when I'm not the best at planning stuff. So at that point I had the planning come through and I just didn't have the money. So that's when people nope. say, all right, well, you've got planning. Speak to investors, do that. And, you know, I wasn't juggling things at best. I would, and there's always like, right, I'll finish that project. I'll refinance it or I'll sell it. Then I'll bring it. And there's always something that comes up. And and also we was, um, so it was a two-story club. There's sort of ground floor, first floor. And we was, me and my, 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 my cousin, who's my business partner, we was always looking at different opportunities. So we said, well, we could do a dark kitchen. You know, at that point, dark kitchen started to kind of take off. Where, Ooh, what, is, what is a dark kitchen? A dark, <laughs> a dark kitchen is essentially, so, you know, for all the food apps, the Uber Eats, uh, Deliveroo, oh, right. that's where you just have a commercial kitchen. So you could have a business. It sort of blew up in, I think, 2018, 19. So say, for instance, I'm at McDonald's anything yep. you could basically just rent a commercial kitchen space and and make the food and make the food but you don't have to have a retail wow and that's a dark kitchen. A dark kitchen so ultimately what it means is if you're a customer and you go on the app you now yeah. have because the, the the they have a certain reach so it might be saying this yep. hypothetically three miles so you could yep you could now go on the app and say oh i can get i can order mcdonald's now there's no mcdonald's around here because they've all, they've basically gone and got like uh, a dark in, kitchen. an industrial kitchen and they're serving a the food from there. Wow. So we said, right, we'll set up a dark kitchen. We'll start our own. We'll do like a, a food chain, like a fast food chain, burger joint or something. So we thought we'd run downstairs as a dark kitchen. Upstairs is is uh, SA. So I think it's just lots of plans. My cousin, he's got a couple of uh, businesses already, like food businesses. But most people who work in food don't encourage people to work in food. My friends that, that work in food or own restaurants just said, no, Shaq, I would never encourage you to do this. But he luck luckily, though, he did give you the encouragement to be able to work out how to work it into your property so that you, you know, you've got more opportunities for every building you come across because you can think across commercial and residential. I think so. And so that's what I learned. So even though some of the ideas never came off, we went through the process of specking them out, learning Right, how's this going to work? Are we going? So first thing you need to decide is, am I going to create the opportunity that, and then maybe uh, lease it out to somebody else, or maybe create joint venture opportunities? So with that commercial property, we we kind of did a lot of back and forth, a lot, a lot of back and forth. It's now we now um we've retained the top floor or the yep. forty bed, so that's now going to be more of a party pads. So still essay type, you know, the ones with jacuzzis and kitchens and my word and and that 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 is going to bring in quite a seismic amount of money isn't it in that area in liverpool is um is is quite a thriving market i i saw a statistic recently that said uh liverpool's the number two destination in europe for sort of stag and hen parties uh, and you're catering specifically for that are you? Well, the market's there they've also got two sort of very big football clubs so it's it's it, you know it, it works and we're, we're, we're bang in the middle of town so there's oh so it is it is about research isn't it it's about research there's... and it's it, one thing i will say to people is if you do get sort of a, a property and it doesn't necessarily work it's all about being creative and trying to work out ways to maximize your return or ma or or minimize your involvement maybe through connecting it to something else you know. As you, and, and so this is, you know, this is a very, you know, essay. Everyone has a very vanilla approach to what that must yeah. be. 
Whereas I don't think there's anything remotely vanilla about you, is there? You're fizzing on that. Yeah. That you're fizzing on so many fronts and you're just going, I could do this, I could do that. The opportunity is there and it is there just for the grasping. And it, you're, it is there. It, it is there. But part of your success is that you are networking and you do ask other people. You have to ask other people. I think it's all good running at 100 miles an hour. It means that, especially for someone like me, means you'll make a lot of mistakes. So to 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 minimize that and to mitigate your sort of your risk as much as possible, it is about tapping into networks, tapping into people. We're fortunate we have other people, and and there are lots of people. It kind of blew my mind when I got into property that people were actually willing to help you. People were willing to give you their time and say, "Oh yeah, absolutely, oh, oh Chuck, yeah, just come and see me." Well, where I never had that, I never any other aspect of my life. So I found it very very odd. When people were so yeah, well that that's well having tapped into that, that's very successful. And one of the things I think about property that you brought out in the talk is that these buildings, once they're up and they're oh. running and they're doing what they should yeah. do, they're actually the same as any other building. You can mortgage them, can't you? Oh, so as far as offsite construction, they're hundred percent remortgageable. You, I think, the game changer was once the once the banking industry, once the finance industry, and the offsite industry kind of connected and the mutual ground was well if we can understand how the warranties work how the guarantees work so you've got like ball pass which is sort of the main warranty supplier for offsite construction there are other things like briam once they understood this and if well, if you guys have the warranty we understand the product they are 100 recyclable it just takes it takes time for everybody to kind of catch up because again I, I do these talks all over the country and people still look at me like what are you speaking about so yes yeah and because when when you know when you first start to realize this is slightly different and it is so much faster and uh you know all the rest of it you think oh i'm quite interested and then a bit of you goes but do you remember that there's non-standard construction oh that means no mortgages yes. oh yeah. that means i can't get my money yeah. out and that's not true no it's not true it's not true so it's once you once you Speak to people that understand it. Speak to people again. That's what you're saying about me, and I'm tapping into people that have done stuff already. Mm. So speak to people yeah. who understand it. Speak to people who have done it. And um, there's even cooler stuff like with capital allowances, where it is non-brick. So there's sort of really savvy ways you can save money on that perspective. It's a uh, we like that. Yeah, most savvy people do. <laughs> they do, and that's when I've learned because if something's new to me. I don't know if something's good. Someone says, oh, actually, did you know that it's non-brick, which means there's savings there as far as capital allowances. And I'm like, that means nothing to me. But because I saw the excitement of all the savvy people, I my light bulb. My, you saw, yeah, you you had a light bulb. Went, I want a bit yeah, of that. I want a bit of something I don't understand because you guys are excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I always laugh because we, we uh, you know, at our wedding venue, we have basically a, a loo block that was built off site. Oh, excellent. And it came in on the, it came in on the back of a lorry. And uh, it's slight, it's a sort of hybrid because it actually has wheels so oh, we can move wow. it around. It's a bit of an effort to move it around. It has to be connected and jacked up and put on the back of a tractor. And this is big. It's uh, a three, three men's loos, three ladies' loos. It's got a huge walk-in disabled section and a, and a shower oh, block. Wow. So it's not a tiny thing, but to build it would have been nearly 200 grand to 
but to build it off site was 40. Joking. No. That's insane. That is, that is oh. insane. I didn't even know you had the wedding venue. So, like, what? Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. I do. Um, yeah. yeah, and it. <laughs> Um, and that that is the great thing it is about going well what how can i change things and it, when i was slightly skeptical i saw it being built constantly it was built in wolverhampton so i went and saw it being built as it went and uh i thought well, this is really weird once it was up and running in the middle of winter it is so warm warm and toasty yeah. it pl- it's got proper plumbing it's you know it's nothing it's nothing second uh, best about wow. it it works perfectly the lights and everything it's tremendous and that is definitely the way forward if we can get so, uh, you know, with the new systems of heating and everything, we'll, we'll be able to create smaller, easier houses for people to build that work faster. I can't believe you saved so much money. That's incredible. I, 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 I know, it I isn't it? Basically, to, to sort of demystify it for most people, the materials are the same. So we're still using yeah. timber, uh, you know, cross-laminated timber still. We're using the same things. It's just the process is different. So that's when people kind of yeah. say, well, what's it made out of? It's made out of wood and steel. It's the same stuff your house is made out of. Obviously, we try to use yes. less concrete and stuff, but it's the same stuff. It's just done in a different way. So, and, yeah. that, and that's why, I, you know, an analogy I use at the talks is I say to people that, like, would you, would you build your car outside? As a driver, would you build your car outside? Would you just get all your parts and build it outside. And then most people, 99.9% of the people, there's always one, but most people, <laughs> absolutely not, Shaq, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of doing that. And so, well, why not? And so, well, you know, the elements. And so I say it's the same thing with a house. It's just because the house is on the yeah. grander scale, your brain says, well, no, it's a house. It has to be done outside. You do them inside, whether it's components or certain parts and structures, and then you, you, uh, you have a, you know, c- complete it outside or complete however you need to complete it but it's the process that's different not absolutely and and it just yeah absolutely it is it is a different mindset and that's that's something one of all has to get used to now the other thing about you of course is that you weren't content just to be on the receiving end of information you thought hang on a second i want to be a bit of a part of this whole networking thing So, yeah. of course, you know, being you, being yeah. you, you threw yourself a bit enthusiastically into the whole thing, didn't you? And you became a host of a yeah. pin, didn't you? If I'd be honest about that, right, I always wanted to maybe speak because I understand the, dy- the you know, how dynamic it is to be a speaker. I understand it's good for your profile. Uh, I never really knew how I was going to connect the dots. I never really had a, a clear plan of my business or my business strategy. I was actually, Oh, that's such a shock to me as a business strategist. I'm, I'm, I'm collapsing in the corner here. <laughs> I just knew that, right, if you, could, if you could learn to speak, it's a great, it's a phenomenal asset and it's good for whatever your, maybe your end goals is. I was then, and I said to myself, yeah, at some point during the year, I'll get a talk together, but I'm, I never drew a line in the sand. And at some point, basically would never have come. I was given an opportunity to host what so they, the, the pin called me and asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was terrified. I said, absolutely really? not. They asked me three times. Oh, wow. Three times. They said, look, Shaq, you know, Simon thinks you'd be great. And I said, nah, I'm not doing it. There's no way I'm doing it. I, I, I couldn't think of anything worse than <laughs> Literally, I thought that's the, it's probably the scariest thing someone could ask me to do. I had to, I, I, I sought counsel from from my nearest and dearest, and I said, and it was like, bro, it's it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity. But I said, well, I, I I wouldn't know how to do it. I was terrified, and uh, and and if I be honest, the only reason I agreed to do it 
is no, they they hit me up and said, would you do it as a co-host for somebody else? And I said, if I like, if we get on, then yeah, yeah. And that's and that's that was that was me dipping my toe in. That was the compromise I had to have a co-host. And so obviously now it's it's become something I love doing. Um, I think it's a great way to give back. It's a great way to connect with people and and just to feel energy, you know, to vibe off of people's energy. But I, but yeah, most people say, oh, you're natural. And I'm like, I'm not natural, not 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 organically. I had to work harder at, at, at getting comfortable with it. But from the front of the room, you see people coming in and slowly blossoming. Yes. And do you think people get more out of it if they come every single month? Oh, absolutely. But that, but that's to be said about anything you do. You know, the more yes. you do anything, the more you get out of it. And it's like it, like our brains, everything we do is like it's muscle memory, it's training. So the more you do it, the more you get. I've said compounding quite a few times in this uh, this talk. Oh, that's compounding. Absolutely but essential. It's obviously, it's frankly, obviously in my in head. I can't remember where where I really reheard it from. But again, what you said was 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 a great example. Non judgmental. So I'm not even going to look up who there is tonight because then I don't have any preconceived. Sometimes I think oh, I've seen them before. I'm not going to go. Oh yeah, that's that's a classic, isn't it? Oh god, I've seen all it takes talk. is for you to sit next to someone you've never sat next to before, or or to hear. I met a guy when I first, 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 my first ever training, and um, he was a very experienced developer and property investor, and he was doing like um, the three-day mastermind, but he'd already owned like 50 houses. So I was like, why are you doing this? That doesn't make sense. And he said, Shaq, I will redo these like every couple of years. He said, one small piece of information will either make me money or save me money. And that's absolutely right. Nuggets. And, and nuggets. And, and that's when I really saw the value in everything. It could be someone you meet when you're walking back to your car and you just say something, and you know, I never thought about that. Like even my introduction to offsite construction was me meeting a guy and he just said, oh, let's go for a drink. And he was the one that planted that seed. He said, Shaq, they can put a building on top of a building and they make it in a factory. And I was like, what are you talking about? That was a, a very crude Ex explanation of it but that's what sparked my interest in it and that was just us talking over a drink that wasn't even a he wasn't even a, a, a property professional absolutely well, and so you well i know you've given a phenomenal number of nuggets in our chat this morning so um i must come and see you one day in in uh, watford with your thing because you'll you'll probably be scattering nuggets far and wide <laughs> as you go through the evening <laughs> But how do people find you on social media oh, well, to find out more for about me, you? Um, I'm the only Shaq Baker. So the I'm only, the only one. The only. one and and only. you're making dough rise, aren't you? I'm guaranteed to make that dough rise. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we do. Yeah, so I'm on, I'm on most platforms, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn for the professionals, Facebook for the not-so-professional, more fun. The ones who like a bit of visual. The ones, yeah, yeah. I'm on everything, literally. Uh, Shaq, Shaq Baker and... Um, I've recently started, I've put together um, a community for people that want to learn more about airspace and learn more about offsite construction called Six Fab. So there's a group online if you just look look up Six Fab on Facebook. Right. How do you spell it? I'm I'm, I'm spellingly challenged oh, being dyslexic. Oh, I've made it super yes. easy. It's the, it's the letter. It's the number six. Right. And Fab. F-A-B. So if you literally, oh. Six Fab, you will find myself and a, and, a, and a small community of people that are passionate about the future of development. Well, thank you so much for sh having time to share it with us, because I think you will spark a lot of people's interest because, you know, many people I've said, oh, I'm having Chat Baker, you know, on an episode. What does he do? 
uh, were off-site construction. What? I've, you know, you're going to just absolutely blow their minds. It's been fabulous. Well, man, Thank you so I much. Really, I really, so much. I really and, appreciate you having me on. It's been an absolute blessing. I'm not sure if you saw my message, but I I posted a picture of me and you from from our pin, and I've got a friend who's who she kind of she's a bit of an empath, and she said that woman has a beautiful energy. She must be protected at all costs, and and that and that oh. and that's what she just said off the back of nothing. So. Oh, well, well, what kindness. Obviously, <laughs> is a special person, so I really appreciate you having me. Not for sparing the time. No problem. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist. <laughs>